my god, the stupid it burns, it burns. <laughs> Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? Uh, I'm okay, I guess. And <laughs> like the first part of the legislative, uh, I suppose we should tell everybody what today is. Right. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Uh, and doctor. inauguration day. What I was it? super. Um, bummed I didn't get to see the inauguration speech this morning. Yeah, um, although it did go out over Twitter, like in little 140 right. <laughs> character bits all morning long. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, you know who got to see the inauguration today? Who? Linda McCullough. Nice. Secretary of State for the... She was there in person? Yeah, she got to go with Steve Danes because Steve Danes' wife couldn't go. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. That's an interesting choice. I know. I'm like, hmm. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Scandal. Right? Mm, interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, I was leaving my house this morning and he was just maybe five minutes out from speaking and I instead had to go listen to the Senate Judiciary hearing and I certainly would have preferred staying at home and watching the inauguration. On Senate Bill 107? Mm-hmm. Senate Bill 107, our favorite bill so far of the mm-hmm. year. You want to tell people it's, what that is? It's delightful. It is actually the uh, bill to strike the language from the, and I learned this today, it's the deviate sexual <laughs> conduct. Did you hear how annoyed I was by that? <laughs> so not only do we have bad law on the books, but we have misspelled bad law on the books. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily misspelled. That's an interesting thing is everybody. So it's this statute that currently sits on the books, which basically defines deviate sexual conduct. Um, and it's sex, um, you know, with people of the same gender and also bestiality is covered under that particular statute. Um, but for whatever reason over the years when people refer to the statute and when people testify on this bill, they always say deviant instead of deviate. And right, so because the word is actually deviate. Right. Or deviant. Right. And it, if it's deviate sexual behavior, I don't think that's the proper use of the word. I'd have to actually go look because it may be an uncommon use of it. It's basically like deviate from the norm. You know? Right. But you would still have it because it's referring to sexual. It's an right. adjective, and the adjective is deviant. So, anyways, um, it's, weird. it's one of my pet peeves because every session when this bill comes up, when people testify it, when they talk about it, they call it deviant, the deviant statue. And you know, although most of the opponents are calling us deviants, that's not actually the statute. So, yeah, and we do actually deviate, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> exactly. Um, it was interesting today, and I did tweet about it because mm-hmm. uh, we had a lot of people that were supporting the bill, mm-hmm. which was very nice. Yay! Thank Yay. you, Montanans who don't suck. Right. Um, that was actually pretty inspiring. And then we only had two people who were opponents, and one of whom basically stood up and said, oh, I don't like it, and I'm here for Jeff Laszlovy. He also mm-hmm. doesn't like it. Thank you for <laughs> letting me talk. Right. And he sat down, which was delightful. <laughs> I know. Not having Jeff. And actually, Jeff was in the building, so. Yeah, but what was he doing? He had some other commitment. Hmm. Maybe he's finally realized that this is a losing battle. Mm-hmm. Doubtful. And then um, uh, the other Dallas one was Erickson. Dallas Erickson. Mm-hmm. Is that who it was? Yeah. Dallas Erickson. Oh, yeah. He's been up there every session for as long as I can remember. <sighs> but the interesting thing about Dallas is that his usual partner in crime is Harris Himes. Mm-hmm. And so everybody has heard of Harris Himes, who pays attention to sort of progressive politics. And Harris um, is not at the Capitol this session. So in all my years up there, this is the first time I've been able to experience, uh, you know, gay rights or um 
anti-choice bill hearing without having Harris Himes there to call us murderers and do we know why he's not there? Well, you know how he's being investigated by the state. Well, he's already been indicted. Right. And so basically that's why, I mean, because he's indicted and he's in part of a criminal prosecution. If he were to stand up, we'd be able to go and he's the actual criminal. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I don't talk to Harris. I don't know exactly why he's not at the Capitol, but certainly I would presume (sighs) that it's because it's not necessarily, you know, him showing his face isn't going to do their cause any good. Maybe if he just realized that him showing his face doesn't do anything any good and he stayed in his little house and shush. Right. And interestingly, Dallas Erickson's testimony was actually pretty tame this morning considering um, how he's testified in the past. I mean, he usually is the one that like reads through all of the sorts of um, sexual what he calls orientation definitions. You know, he reads through bestiality. He reads through all these different things and basically overtly compares gay people to all of these other sort of, yeah, he was um, pretty co- aphelias, covert and you know? subtle about it. Today. Right. Yeah. Um, but he did say something that I thought was interesting that the law had been used recently and I don't know what his definition of recently is, but the last time it was actually used was the Grison case. Mm-hmm. And that was the absolute last time that it's been used by law enforcement in the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as you said, it was found unconstitutional in the late 90s. I think Linda said 97 this morning. She said 96 or 97, but I looked, it was 97. So yeah, it's been 16 years. Mm -hmm. Just did that math in my head. Well, and so this bill last (laughs) session passed the Senate, and it came out of committee 7-5. It passed the Senate. Actually, on second reading, had a better vote than on third reading. But it did go to the House, and... We felt like we had momentum for the first time because, of course, that's the first time it's actually made it out of a chamber. We've tried it every session. And, um, of course, it died in House Judiciary. And um, we'll see if it passes again. I was talking to a Democratic committee member, and they weren't too hopeful because, obviously, the committee is very different this time than in sessions past. Um, We have a lot of new members on that committee who are Republicans and some more conservative Republicans. So in the event that it's not able to make it out of committee, they could decide to blast it on the Senate floor and then put all of the various senators on record about how they voted because there was quite a few Republicans who voted for the bill last time, partly because they just – don't want it to be an issue that they have to respond to anymore. You know? Right. They know it's a losing battle. Right. Some people got educated. Yes. And then so we'll see what other happens. people didn't. And I was just, we, actually, you were there too with the House Bill 50, mm-hmm. which is the immigration sanctuary bill. Mm-hmm. The stupid on that floor <laughs> was astounding. Yeah. Wendy Warburton actually wins the day. I, I think really and truly we should give her the big dunce cap of the day. For her testimony about how the gangs are are so terrible that we need immigration law. I don't know any law enforcement officer who wouldn't actually <coughs> suffer a stroke after being told that bit of testimony because it's that stupid. It's that mm-hmm. stupid. It's ridiculous. Well, she said something like the most dangerous criminals in the United States are, um, you are know. Immigrants. Yeah, immigrants. And... Or illegals. No, she actually said illegals. Of course. I don't say that word, so that's why I refrained. But um, it's it's on my list of things I don't say. So I think, you know, who knows where she gets that stuff. But that's clearly the testimony and committee and stuff is somehow that we should all fear immigrants. And basically all that bill does is, um, well, I mean, it does a lot, but what it's trying to solve is not really a problem because there are communities across the country who have sent up 
set up these sort of sanctuary policies, which is basically just, I mean, sanctuary is such a sort of evocative word, but really, um, for instance, if you like, let's say Helena, right? So they were talking about how Helena might become a sanctuary city. It's not like, you know, Helena declares we are a sanctuary city. What they declare is that they don't want law enforcement to spend time investigating you know, federal immigration policy. We don't want people in Which, various... When do they? When do they ever? But if that's there's the an thing. Immig- yeah. If there's... A, my understanding of how the law works, and I could be wrong, but my understanding of how this works is if you suspect somebody's an immigrant and you're an official in a you know, police department or whatever, they you take that to ICE <laughs> and they do the investigation because that's their job. Right, but that's the point is that right now lo- local law enforcement... Um, Various public officials are not tasked with reporting undocumented people, right? Right. So, I mean, obviously somebody can opt to contact ICE, but it's not a requirement. So when the cops come to a scene and they may suspect that somebody doesn't have, you know, documented status, and most of the time if they suspect it, it's a racist, you know, sort of inclination (laughs) because it's like, oh, well, you know, these are some you know, Mexican looking immigrants or something, you know, so it's not like the white people up in, you know, northern Montana that are getting called into ICE that are actually Canadian citizens living here or something, you know. But I guess the point is that right now, law enforcement isn't tasked with reporting that. And it in fact, is how we want it to be, because people are much less likely to call the cops or call emergency personnel or, you know, take their kids for immunizations or whatever, if they feel like we've created an environment where everybody's an immigration cop, you know, which is true. Right. So it's interesting because Howard's trying to basically eliminate or prevent communities from becoming sanctuary cities. What's interesting is that most communities are by default sanctuary cities, because they're not actively enforcing immigration law. The because sort it's of a federal law. Right. The sort of opposite of a sanctuary city would be places like in Arizona and others where the law enforcement and various service providers are clearly tasked with enforcing immigration law, making reports to ICE, whatever. But that's really all they can do. All they can do is like submit um you know, some sort of statement to ICE that says, I think this person is undocumented, then yes, it's completely um, up to the federal system to investigate. So the whole thing is pointless. And we really, I mean, we testified in committee that it really does sort of put a chilling effect on people contacting law enforcement. And the Republicans want to say that that's not a legitimate argument, but I disagree. I think that what we do see is that immigrant populations are much less likely to call the police. It's why we have a whole sort of... Even if they're here legally, that's the part exactly. that they don't get. Because if they have to justify living here before they can get help, mm-hmm. they're not going to bother to try to get help. Yeah, if they have to justify their status before they can get help, if that actually is something that we want to be requiring of people in order for them to get help, that's just ridiculous to me. So, of course, that bill passed the House floor this afternoon. Not by too much of a vote, though. I mean... 41 to 59. Yeah. So that means that some Republicans voted against it as well, which is great. Yeah. And it's only the second reading, so... Yeah. 
it's it's one of those interesting things. What I find more interesting about it is the people who are giving testimony in support of the bill were a bunch of Republicans who were saying, well, we need to follow federal law. These are the same jerks right. who keep coming up with this legislation that says we won't be following uh, federal law when it comes to gun laws if they try to take our guns away. We won't be following Obamacare. Right. We won't be doing any of those things because we're filled with water but in this and vinegar. Particular but in regard. this particular regard. We have to, you have to follow the federal laws. It's very important. And I really want to get a recording. I'm going to talk to legislative services about getting a recording of the House mm-hmm. floor because I want to use their testimony against them later on when they're going, well, we can do this. It's like, no, this is you on the floor actually saying this. Mm-hmm. So now I'm holding you to it or I'm calling you a hypocrite. That's right. all there is to it. This uh, It makes me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it burns. That's the stupid it that burns. burns. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your week been? Oh, it's okay. I feel, um, you know, uh, last week was long. I think I saw you, what, last Monday? Yes. And then it was a long week. It's interesting that we've switched this from generally recording on Thursday or Friday to Monday. Because usually I could complain about my week. And now it's kind of like, oh, we started the week. I'm like, oh, everything's great. But by the end, if you were recording me last Friday, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. So part of it is just adjusting to a new schedule. So, you know, this is not my first rodeo. It's not my first session. So I certainly know how this works. I'm not on a learning curve, but it's almost like my body's on a learning curve because every year you just start sleeping less. You have to get up so much earlier. You're running around all day long. Your brain is on absolute overdrive, trying to keep all of the pieces of information in your head. And by Friday evening, you're just exhausted. You know, legislators and lobbyists alike, it's just, it's a really exhausting process. You often don't know what day it is. You can look at your fellow (laughs) lobbyists and be like, who, does anybody know what day it is? Is it Thursday? Is it Wednesday? The only thing you do know is when it's Friday afternoon. Everybody's Mm. like, oh, right. It's Friday afternoon. Let's enjoy this. You know? I don't know why Fridays are so important considering they still have session work on Saturdays. Yeah, but most of the time we don't have to be up there on Saturdays collectively. Uh, Um, You know, they usually have a pretty light agenda. Obviously, sometimes you'll have a bill that you're watching that's on the floor. But generally, you know, there's no committee hearings or anything. So Mm. for me, last week, I spent most of my week running around. We had one anti-choice bill that was up for hearing and you know, first of the session in front of House Judiciary. And of course, it was, you know, not as bad as years past, but it's certainly a very difficult issue to be um, working on. And so we had that, but uh, today was the deadline for getting any sort of bill draft requests in. So if you have any idea about what you want to do, you're supposed to get somebody to sponsor it by today, um, at least request it. So I spent most of my week last week finding um, people to at least introduce or sponsor legislation that we're asking for. So hmm. it was very busy. And this weekend, I really just took it easy. I didn't do anything on Saturday. Um, and yesterday had a, another kind of nice day at home and dinner with family and friends and stuff. But um the weeks are really intense. At least the first few weeks, your body's still adjusting. By mid-February, you're kind of numb and sleep is, <laughs> you know, not as relevant anymore. And your brain has gotten to the point of almost shutting down. So you're just like trying to take in as much as you can. Um, so right now it's where you're starting to adjust to the weight of it all, mm. I guess. Plus, there's a lot of new lobbyists that I'm working with. Um, people who this is their first session and... I appreciate the opportunity to be a mentor, 
you know, I think it's really nice to be um, bringing people up through the ranks, but it's also kind of work on top of work. Because if you're working with people who have been doing it for a while, you can have this very quick conversation, right? Right. You have you're negotiating, you're strategizing, you're doing all of this stuff. Everybody knows what we're talking about. And in various groups that I'm dealing with right now, there's a lot of new people. And so you have to kind of take a step back, talk about why things have to be done a certain way or talk about the issue or how the testimony is going to go or whatever. And you know, for me, after how many sessions I've been doing this, to a certain extent, that's a little bit exhausting because I want to kind of steamroll through it and just focus <laughs> on the high points. And um, we're having a rally tomorrow, for instance, and sort of just making sure that there's like food and invites have gone out and all of that kind of stuff. Had it been a group of people who have been doing it every year, everything would have been a lot more sort of streamlined and and so it's, you know, it's the good and bad. Like I really am excited about all the new people that are up there and lobbying, but it's also, um, means more work for some of us, hmm. more experienced lobbyists. Hmm. What's hmm. the rally tomorrow? So tomorrow, uh, I think it's today or tomorrow. One of the days is the actual, um, anniversary of Roe versus Wade Supreme court decision. Hmm. And so every year, we are part of a coalition called the Reproductive Rights Coalition, which is uh, my organization, the Montana Coalition Against Domestic and Sexual Violence, Planned Parenthood, um, NARAL, Montana Human Rights Network, ACLU, and Blue Mountain Clinic. We are part of a coalition, and each year we have a rally on the anniversary. It's tomorrow at the Capitol Rotunda um, from 12 to 1. I'm the MC. Oh, nice. Yep, I emceed last year. She'll be rapping. Exactly. You, you don't even know her mad <laughs> know, verbalization right? skills. Total mad skills. Um, <laughs> we have like four different speakers, but I'm the MC trying to like, you know, keep the crowd going and introducing people and stuff. I did it last year and considering it was an unruly like 200 people in the rotunda, it went pretty well. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, but that's tomorrow from 12 to 1. Today, the Right to Life people had a rally out on the Capitol steps. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, I didn't, actually. It was funny because I was wandering around the Capitol because I was trying to find um, Kim Abbott for mm -hmm. Melissa, the reporter from KXLH. And then I lost Tom. Right. And then all of a sudden, he comes back. He's like, hey. And I was like, oh, where have you been? He's like, I was out with the Right to Life first. And I'm like, what were you doing out there? Right. Seems like an Observing. odd place for you. And he was like, I was making him uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom, you're so good at that. I'm like, oh. And then he tells me that he's wearing his boots. Now he cracks me up because you know, it's Tom. You know, right. it's a good chance he's going to show up in a kilt. <laughs> but he's wearing his boots that actually lace up to his knee. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm wearing them under my jeans because I didn't want everybody to freak out. And I was like, <laughs> Where's your sense of adventure today? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, it was nice because the Capitol was busy. So the Human Rights Network was having their lobby day, which was awesome that it coincided with Facey's bill hearing this morning. So that's right. why so many people were there to be able to testify and support. So that was happening. The state employees were having a kind of lobby day. Mm -hmm. The firefighters, which Tom was really excited about. Yes, and I, I can totally see why. There exactly. was a lot of eye candy there. And Montana Right to Life. They were all up there at yeah. one day. Day, which yeah. is how and one of these things mm -hmm. is not, not like, like the, the other. other. <laughs> one of these things yeah. just is full of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, tomorrow we have that big rally. It should be fun. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And so your week was really kind of spent mm, getting running, hitting the ground. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's good. How about you? What did I do last week? Well, it, it, we had the show on Monday and then um, I was supposed to meet with... Uh, 
Who was I supposed to meet with? Why can't I remember names? Nick Schwader and Jennifer Gursky. Uh-huh. And, um, and it was supposed to be Wednesday, and then it was going to be Thursday, and then it ended up being Saturday, but the times changed like four times. <laughs> Finally got... Did you interview both, both of them? Yes, and wow. back to back, so it was kind of weird. Wow. Um, Nick Schwader was first, so his episode is up. Um, that's the other podcast, Politic Tick Boom. And then um, Jennifer was uh, second, so hers will be up on Wednesday. Or Thursday. I don't know. I've set it to go up automatically. <laughs> I really wasn't paying that much attention. I was like, ah, oh, it's done, finally. And then um actually took Jen to lunch at uh, Fusion. Nice. You know, so that was fun because she's like, I'm tired of bar food. I've only eaten bar food in this town. I'm like, that's because you've been here for the legislature. Exactly. <laughs> so um So what did you think about how those interviews went? I mean, really a lot of well. us are trying to figure out who Nicholas Schwaderer is. Um, it, it's interesting cause I, I, you know, I know there's the concern about the assault thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I didn't really, I, I talked to him a little bit offline about it and, and, um, really didn't go into it that deep. I take it at face value that if it was something that was really, really bad, he would have been charged. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with, he got punished for it. He learned from his mistake. We should all be adults and let him have learned from his mistake. And yes, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be with him. It's always going to be something that he has to deal with. But it's not something I need to take out on him. So mm-hmm. that that one issue is the big one that everybody keeps asking me about. What do you think about this? And I'm like, eh. I right. really kind of let that one go. Not because I don't think it's important, but because I think it's also important to forgive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people do stupid shit all the time. I do. Uh, and it would help people forgive me for it. Well, they're not going to, but whatever. <laughs> um, the the rest of it, the interview with him, I think he's very excited to do some good things. And while he's a Republican, I think he's a Republican for the right reasons. He thinks that um, where our spending should be cut is in areas where it can be cut, not in areas that he that are just philosophical things that uh, the, the casual Republican just doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And I say casual Republican because these are people who... Um, and I will get into some more of this because I have some other fun stuff to discuss. Um, these are people who aren't really Republicans. They just they hate social programs and they hate anybody else getting a leg up or getting help because they feel like they've been abandoned in some way. And so they they glom onto the Republican Party because they hear conservative and they think it means they can be evil to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not one of those. So what sort of experience does he have that's going to make him a good legislator, in your opinion? Um, mostly that he's from a rural community and he's done so much with the community trying to bring, uh, trying to modernize it, trying to bring it in to the modern world. Um, he started a radio station, which that doesn't really sound all that modern, but he went through the steps <laughs> that you have to go through to get a license, to get equipment, to um, create the database of music, all those sorts of things that you don't even think about. You know, it's how do you start a business? How do you do these Where is things? he from that he did that? Um, of course you would ask me that. <laughs> um, he is from St. Regis. Okay. Uh, yeah, St. Regis. That sounds about right. Cause yeah. he, yeah, he represents that area. Um, and you know, he started it as just sort of a sideline project. Now it's actually a class at the school, mm. you know, so they're having to learn some different skills. I think they're great skills that they have to learn because they have to work with technology and modern stuff. You know, how does this at the high in? school there or mm-hmm. something? Okay. And, um, he did finish up, I, I guess, and I had, I didn't clarify this. I should have, he finished up his law degree in London or in England. And, um, I don't know if he's taken the bar here or not. I don't know what that's about, 
but uh, he's just got a good outlook on life. Um, seems like a really, really good guy. His take on how government should function is it should be less in the ways that it can be less. He, he, he seems to follow my philosophy of government shouldn't be a ratchet. Mm-hmm. If a law is ridiculous and no longer needed, it should be removed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's okay. Um, plus, on the Republican side, it's new blood, which they need. Because their old blood is coagulated and turned to scabs. <laughs> so he did support that bill this morning. So he mm-hmm. seems to be at least on board with well, gay rights in that he's context. He's co-sponsoring it. Yeah, but is he, in general, kind of supportive of gay rights or just yes, in that very particular much so. he's, context? He's on, he's on the marriage equality side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure he's not going to make a lot of friends with the Republican Party. But his, his big thing is, you know, just it's none of the government's business. Just leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that makes sense. And then you have Jen Gursky, who is on the other side of the aisle. <laughs> right. <laughs> I adore her. She cracks me up. But then come to find out, and and we witnessed it today, actually, when she was talking about House Bill 50, that she worked as a pastor mm-hmm. Youth for pastor. many years. And mm-hmm. so she's, you know, very versed. She actually in, went abroad. She served somewhere in, like, I want to say Thailand or something yeah, like that. Yeah, somewhere in Southeast yeah. Asia. Um, and that's why she actually came back to and went to U of M for mm-hmm. uh, policy and social work. Um, so one more question about Nicholas. Did mm-hmm. I saw him tweet that he's a fan of the show? So was he kind of like nerding out and excited to be on the show? Of, or kind of? Um, <laughs> he was. He was that. Plus, you know, having done the does radio he listen thing, to this ends well? Um, he does now. Mm. Um, so I'm sure he'll <laughs> hear this and I'll, I'll get a note. Gee, thanks, Kev. <laughs> Um, sorry, Nick. Uh, you know, one of the things about that show is I'm always happy to have anybody on it because I think it's such a great way for them to talk about why they're in politics. And mm-hmm. that was the whole point of the show. And as we go into the session, I realized that it's, it's already gotten to the point where people want to come on. They want to talk about the importance of their bills and they want to have a chance to talk where it's not a committee cutting them off mm-hmm. and it's not anybody else yelling at them. And it's just a chance for them to talk. And I think that's actually going to be really good. Um, I just, I think it could, it could get out of hand. I could have five shows a week really right. easily, very quickly. Or boring. Like, don't let it be boring. I mean, right. part of what was endearing about Politic Tick Boom is people talked a little bit about issues, but they mainly talked about themselves. Right. And people are way more into that than right. droning and on. So and so I, and I think that'll continue. But, uh, and, you know, I don't want to have everybody on to talk about every single bill that they're in. But yeah. there's, there's definite bills that they're passionate about, and it will be because of a personal story. Right. Those personal stories are far more interesting overall. Absolutely. Anyway, so I think that that's what it's, where it's going to go next. Um, and that was kind of evident. You'll hear it in Jen's uh, interview this week. It was very evident when she was talking about why she was involved in the way she was. Mm-hmm. Um, having to, She didn't want to be in politics. She's like, but then I got a degree in political science. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> right. Well. So um, as far as, you know, are they allies to the left, to the more social programs? I think they probably are. I don't know that they're fiscal allies to the left. Mm-hmm. I mean, people like Nick. Um, but I don't know that that's a bad thing either. You know, I, I, and this is where I'm sure the, um, liberals who know me would like to take me out back and whack me <laughs> upside the head, sit out. <laughs> and, uh, um, but some of the times I think, you know, some programs ask for money that they don't actually need, or they want to do things in a way that costs more than it it seems like it should. So I don't necessarily agree with the, you know, I don't think money is the best solution all the time to, I don't think, to some of these prog- programs. So, you know, I don't think the, liberals think that either, Kevin. I, well, <laughs> and, and I would hope not. I would hope that, you know, everybody approaches. Besides, things I like to be called a progressive, progressive liberal. I like to be called progresso because I'm like soup. 
Um, well, you know, I can respect people who um, have various values around sort of, you know, fiscal issues, right? Right. So I think that's a legitimate um, difference of opinion. I guess where I get a little bit more annoyed is around more social issues. So I can respect a Republican who's fiscally conservative, but socially, like, you know, middle of the road, liberal, or at least hands off. Right. I, think I feel like all of this, way to be. yeah. And I feel like all of this sort of, like you were pointing out all this inconsistency between on the one hand, I'm sort of as a conservative Republican, I would be anti or anti-government, anti-federal and, you know, intrusion, anti-state intruding into my personal <laughs> Until life. Until it comes to those people Until it comes to skin. my uterus, um, you know, people with, people with color, <laughs> gay people, you know, that's, that's what I don't like. <sighs> yeah. And that's the sort of stuff that drives me nuts. So there's something else that's going on that's, uh, we'll, yes. we'll talk about, I guess we should talk about Jen too. Jen was awesome. Great. But oh, back to the point. So she was talking in the, um, she brought up the Bible and she was pulling up actual passages from the Bible. And I'm sure she had them written down, but she's obviously read them many, many times because she just flew through them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom was sitting next to me and he's like, what, the f- what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is Democrats and, are Christians too. Come I know. On. And, and uh, Tom was like, yeah, but if somebody's quoting Bible at me, I wouldn't vote for Oregon. I'm, no. Actually, the only thing that made me go eek is that she used Leviticus. And Leviticus is also the chapter that people use against gay people all the time. So I was like, no. let's invalidate Leviticus, you know? <laughs> let's look at the fact that um, there was actually a, a post on it was on Twitter. I'll have to find it if I can. But it's got a, a, a Bible that's been marked with those little tags, the colored tags. Right. And they're marked for when it shows slavery, rape, right. incest, you know, all of these different things. Right. And it's like, and you're basing your morals off of this book. Exactly. Way to go. Exactly. Uh, well, that's the thing is, so I personally don't, I mean, like in the same way that I don't want the Bible used against me, I also don't necessarily think it's a great tool to use for our cause. No. That's just me. No, you know? I agree. My mom I, would disagree with me, but <laughs> hi Robin. Love you. <laughs> um, I, I would agree with you mostly because I think that it, we're far better off if we use reason than if we use an, a book written by angry old men. Right. You know, everybody says, well, it's the word of God. Yeah. But it was translated by a bunch of angry <laughs> old men. I would like to point out angry old men have done angry old men things, which include war. Right. And Jen's comments would have been great as is without the sort of religious testimony. I know that she probably did it to try to appeal to the Republicans and their sort of, you know, assumed across the board Christian um, beliefs and experience. But I just, you know, everybody yeah, said it's a different it strategy. Yeah, I don't think it worked. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting to hear that. Um, and I didn't know that about her. I, I had met her. Uh, when did I meet her? At the... Um, when they had all of the uh, Democrats that were running for the House seat in Missoula, I met her. Mm, yeah, the forum. Um, which, you know. Makes, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she absolutely has a, um, you know, sort of conservative Christian background. Grew up in, I think, Big Fork area, right? I believe so. Something like that? Yeah. So and you had two great shows. So Who's I had two next? great shows. The second one is coming out on this week. And then hopefully Ellie. <laughs> Uh, Nailing her down for an hour will be a trying. No, experience. I'll bring the martinis. I'll make it happen. <laughs> um, I'll nail her down at the Lewis and Clark. I'll be like, we have a Great. room. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, so that's going on. And um, last week was kind of spent catching up from being gone. Wow. Uh, there was a lot that happened while I was gone. 
Good? Um, Bad? Yeah, mostly good. And we had training on Friday. So we bought this new system that replaces a production truck. Mm -hmm. This is my nerdiness. Go with it for (laughs) a minute. And uh, it includes a graphic system so that we can overlay graphics and look like ESPN. It won't look like ESPN. (laughs) Is that all the uh, equipment that was in the room when I came over last week? Yeah, it's it's huge. You've seen that. It's a lot of stuff. Um, but it's nowhere near as big as what used to be in a production truck because a production truck would be like the entirety of this room right. with that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty impressive that we have it and it's nice. And the graphics package, we had to go through training on Friday and that was a full day of training, which I haven't done a full day of training in anything in forever. <laughs> right. And I'm like, ugh. by the end of it, I was like, oh, just kill your me attention now. deficit disorder was going. Ah! Well, thankfully, it was a lot of shiny things that moved so I could pay <laughs> attention to it. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we got through that. And then um, Saturday did the shows and um, I can't remember what I did on Saturday night. Went out. Oh, that's right. Had to go out. And then um, Sunday. Just, you know, kind of got caught up on the last little bits of things and helped a friend of mine who's um, leaving the AG's office uh, to go out on her own, got her set up with some stuff for her office. So I really didn't get a weekend. I just kind of worked through it. And um, and then I realized today when I woke up that it was a holiday that I'm not going to get. And I'm like, oh, typical. (laughs) How typical. Yay. So, and then this week, um, actually this weekend on Sunday, I am performing at the Rocky Mountain Youth Development, Rocky Mountain Youth Homes, Rocky Mm. Mountain Development Council, RMDC. They have a fundraiser for the youth homes, the troubled youth homes that they have, Mm. and uh, called Soiree. It's at Benny's. It's at four o'clock, and I will be singing, and I'm bringing in a bunch of my friends, and we're just doing a bunch of fun songs and having a good old time. So that'll be fun. I should probably rehearse. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. What sort of music? Um, mostly musical theater stuff, just some other fun. It's just songs I like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just to be entertaining. Do 30 minutes of stuff. There's a little auction. Um, it's a good cause. They're good people. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Nice. So what happened with your comedy troupe that met oh, this past week? Oh, yeah. So we had rehearsal on Wednesday, and then we had rehearsal again on Sunday. That was the other thing I did. And I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> um, it's actually going really well. So this week is our last rehearsal, this Wednesday and Sunday. And then the following Wednesday is our first performance. And it's at the Lewis and Clark Brewery from 6 to 7.30. And it's just, we're upstairs in one of the rooms that can be cordoned off. And they put in new curtains so that it's um, pretty well soundproofed mm-hmm. off from the rest of the place, which is really nice. And um, it's going to be open to everybody. Just come on in. We just want to screw around and have some fun. And... <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy it. So that'll be good. Are you guys promoting it so that because it's a fairly new idea? I don't know if people are gonna yeah. like really get it right away. No, they won't. <laughs> um, we are promoting it. In fact, I got an email a little bit ago with the um, uh, logo ideas, so that'll be fun. It's called Cow Tipping Comedy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, there's six guys and one gal in it. Mm. I know we're all. What's up with that gender shit. breakdown? <laughs> Um, you know what? And it, when it originally was proposed by John, he had like five guys that he wanted to do, and of which I was one. And I was like, "We need a girl. We need at least <laughs> one girl." Right? Girls are funny. Right? They are funny. And what's really funny is that having one or two girls that are truly funny in a group of goofy guys is hysterical because <laughs> the guys become foils for the girls very easily. Right. And um, and then if you have a gay guy who kind of plays both roles, <laughs> it becomes even more fun. So I got which that covered. Would you eat? <laughs> <laughs> I got that covered. We were in rehearsal this last weekend, and, the, and one of them said something, and I just, you know, I, basically I ended the scene on purpose uh, by turning to the audience and went, "And I'm the gay one." 
And uh, always funny, always funny. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a, it's about learning the games, and it's all improv. It's basically whose line is it anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, with some different games that we're doing, and obviously it's different people, so it's a, it'll be interesting. And um, rehearsing with them has been fun because we're all on an equal basis. Some of us have done improv before. I have mm-hmm. many, many years ago. And, um, are you, um, practicing with an audience at all or just with the five of you? Um, there've been a couple of people there, but mostly it's just the five of us. Um, but we all go into it with a very critical eye because we know when humor works. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm the one who, funny enough, I'm the one who keeps pulling them back from doing the dick jokes all the time. (laughs) I'm like, don't aim for the grind because that ends the scene. I mean, you can't go farther once you get there, you're kind of (laughs) done. Um, so it's been interesting to watch them, watch a couple of them learn how to not hit there right away. Not go so fast. Eventually they get there. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're always going to end there, but. (laughs) Why does everything end up with a dick joke? (sighs) Well, because the vagina's not funny. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Vaginas are funny, people. Vaginas really are funny. They're hysterical. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's a discussion we should have. Uh, so, you know, that's happening. That'll um, be fun. It it will be fun. And what's going to be more interesting about it is just to, just to see what sort of legs it gets. Somebody should definitely create a Facebook event. Oh, we will. Once Good. we get the logo, that's what will be up. So, And we'll invite everybody who listens to the show, because you're all invited. Mm. There, see? Welcome. <coughs> so. Hmm. I think it sounds fun. It is fun. You'll have to come. Yeah, actually, you should come to rehearsal. You're more than welcome. <laughs> So, yeah. I have so much free time. I know. Well, but there's beer. Right. Could be happy. Maybe. Um, I don't have much else going on right now. I was kind of surprised that we had anything fun happening at the legislative legislature. God, I cannot get that word right. <laughs> uh, this early. And I was really surprised that there were only two bigots. Yeah. And, you know, graciously, they didn't ask any questions either, the committee members. There was one question, which was just sort of a clarifying question. It's just interesting because as somebody who's been testifying on this same exact bill now for five other sessions, um, things have slowly changed. Like the vitriol and the sort of drilling of the um, people who've testified and all that kind of stuff. It really depends on who's on the committee. And at least on the Senate side, you'll see a very different hearing on the House side. So at least on the Senate side... Just in general, there's generally more kind of decorum and respect for the process. But also, those senators are generally smart enough not to say things into the record. Like, I don't think they're any less conservative than what you'll see in the House, but they're just smart enough not to say ridiculous things into the record. <laughs> and so on the House side, you'll if, we, if it gets that far, that's where all the crazy stuff comes out. But um, in general, I think that especially on this bill and others, things have really calmed down. It's not as okay to just say hateful, um, offensive you know, Demeaning. old school things about gay people and about other things, you know, whether it's a choice bill or whatever. Um, but again, it's partly because it's the Senate, like it'll be a different situation in the house. Well, I was looking at the, the makeup of the house judiciary and I was wondering, is there any way that this bill could go somewhere else? <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately uh. can't like put it in business and labor and be like, this is about business. It is. Yeah. But no, when you're amending a criminal code, that generally goes to judiciary. Oh, why couldn't we get better people at judiciary? Chris yeah. Hansen's leading that. No, what? Chris isn't. It's She's Kearns. education. She's education, which yeah. is even funnier. <laughs> like, oh, 
Can yep. you spell the word? No, then you can't be on the committee. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly can't so far, think. we're seeing a lot less crazy. I mean, there's still a few things here and there, but you know, the deadline for a bill request is today, so we haven't seen the repeal local non-discrimination ordinances like Chris Hansen did last time. Yes, there's a lot of appears to be dead. Yeah, there's a lot of anti-choice bills that we've seen in the past sessions that haven't come up yet. Um, you know, of course, there's a ton of placeholders that could turn into something bad. But I think so far, um, we'll see if it plays true. The Republicans really aren't um, as motivated to do some of the really extreme things. So mm. we'll see. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So um, now what is this that's going on this afternoon at the Myrna Loy? So the Montana Human Rights Network has a fundraiser every year on Martin Luther King. Um, they also had a lobby day, as we were talking about, up at mm-hmm. the Capitol. But obviously Human Rights Network is really sort of the primary organization in Montana that not only celebrates Martin Luther King on the day of, but is really an organization that exemplifies sort of his, you know, beliefs and life experience and whatever. And so every year they do something on Martin Luther King Day. Um, The last few years, it's been a film series festival kind of thing. Um, Generally, they show a couple short films, take a break for a sort of party, and then show another documentary in the evening. Tonight, they've decided to show short films from 4 till about 5.15. And then at 5.30, they're actually having a party to celebrate the passage of the non-discrimination ordinance, which is great. means that people get to come together and actually celebrate the passage of that ordinance. Of course, there will be a lot of statements about how it's not perfect and it needs improvement and all those things that we talked about on that very lively show. (laughs) Um, But tonight is the night to you know, celebrate that victory and um, celebrate the Human Rights Network and all the hard work that they did. And so it's a fundraiser. Obviously, there'll be beer and food and all that kind of stuff. And then they're not showing a documentary afterwards. They just wanted people to focus on having fun. Usually it's interesting because I love the film festival. I'll be going to the films at four. and But the movie that's usually played after the party is always a heart-wrenching, depressing documentary about some sort of social justice issue. You know, a couple years ago, it was, like, about these immigrant farmers in California who, like, lived in, like, the dirt up on the side of this hill, and people kept pushing them and pushing them away. And they built this beautiful, like, outdoor um, religious ceremony thing. And they were all Catholic, of course. So it was this beautiful sort of place where they would have services every Sunday. And they showed these people just, like, tearing it down. And, I mean... That was really depressing last year. There was some other really depressing. So every year there's some depressing movie that I feel like I go and watch as a reminder of why I care about social justice. Like occasionally you just need that sort of kick in the ass to think, oh, right, people are suffering, you know. But I told Kim Abbott, the one of the co-directors, that I was really actually relieved. I'm not sure that I can handle, you know, <laughs> two hours of crying again tonight. There's plenty of other things that are sad, but, um, so that's what's happening tonight. And I think it'll be fun. They're also giving out awards. They're giving, I don't remember the name of the award, but, um, Catherine Hawk Hosrath, who was the city commissioner that carried the non-discrimination ordinance, she's getting an award. And then also a local pastor named Tyler, I don't know his last name. He's the, he's a pastor at, um, St. Paul's Methodist church. Mm. And he was one of the first sort of religious leaders to step out in support of the ordinance. So both of those people are being recognized for Very their cool. courage and bravery. Well, that's cool. That's, uh, I think that's awesome. Um, I 
It's funny because I'm in film. I hate documentaries. Right. People usually do. But the ones that are playing this afternoon are all short films, so they're little clips. And apparently the first round of um, short films is from... They're going to be sort of positive and uplifting. Um, There's an organization in Oregon called Basic Rights Oregon, and they have some sort of project that's focused on sort of diversity within families. So they just have clips of different sort of stories about families. Hmm. And then there's some other series, series from Media Matters. So usually those shorts are nice because they're actually like, you know, abbreviated education. Um, But yeah, some of those logger documentaries just... Oh, they rip my heart out. It's like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to see a really um, frustrating one, I recently watched the movie Invisible War. Um, it's basically about sexual assault in the military. Um, it's available on Netflix or Didn't online. Didn't we discuss that? We did. And, yeah. um, I'm like, Wait. I watched it back then, but um, as a staff, we watched it last week and Ooh. sort of analyzed it and talked about what we could do to improve the response in Montana. But it's another, I mean, documentaries, I think, although sometimes depressing and annoying, are actually really useful educational tools to get people to like care about something. Oh, I, and Duh, I, right? I, tot- exactly. <laughs> I totally agree. But they work for me. I'm, I'm like their target audience. Cause <laughs> after I see one, I'm like, where do I send money? Who do I call? You know, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, and I, why don't no, you like them? Well, it, a couple of reasons. One is, and then this is just an, an internal thing. My own level of empathy that I have with people anyway, gets triggered. Mm hmm. And, like, I can't sit through the ASPCA ads with right. Sarah McLaughlin. I just, I have to turn the channel. I just, I can't see those animals. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it hurts. It physically hurts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know who did it, but I know that they should be put through the same pain. Because that's the pain I'm feeling when mm-hmm. I watch those things. And I'm like, I just can't do that. And a good friend of mine... Um, actually is a documentarian. She's fantastic at it. And I love working with her on the documentaries. I cannot watch them from beginning to end. <laughs> right. I can do the segments. I can help with editing. I do all that. I just cannot watch them from beginning <coughs> to end. And mostly because I can watch the first three minutes and I, and I understand what the story they're going to tell mm-hmm. and I get it and I'm done. <laughs> and right, and you usually see the I'm happy line. to help right. <laughs> and write my check and here, I just, just don't make me watch, <laughs> you know? And then I look at, I look at the other part of it is, um, documentaries are basically the story, they're storytelling without humor in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that we need humor in our lives. And I look at, um, like the comedy of Louis C.K. and the stuff that um, John Stewart does with Comedy Central and and um, very popular. Well, they're very popular, but they're also very populist in 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 how they approach a subject and skewer it. Mm-hmm. And um, Wanda Sykes does the same thing in her comedy. Um, Ron White and Louis Black do the same thing in their comedy, and um, in fact, I think it's Louis Black that was talking about you know. It, if you have no humor, you become the enemy mm-hmm. and we have no humor in our politics these days. We have no, hu- I mean, we find humor in it, but we have no people with humor in it. We don't have the fun that can be had from being alive. It seems to be missing in a lot of these things. And I find that far more um, engaging and worthy to tell these stories. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it, it's just my own take on it. I don't know that it necessarily rings true for anybody else. And 
then you also look at this and okay, the war, you know, the silent war. How do you make rape in the military funny? Well, it's not, and you don't. Right. But actually, so, it's funny because like a movie like that, um, I don't think. I guess for me, I'm moved by things that are really emotional and and difficult and all that kind of stuff. But I also feel like, um, there, for instance, in the Invisible War, there's parts of it that are funny, but they're more sort of like ironic funny, or they're not intending to be funny. You know, like showing somebody really angry and frustrated and the way that they respond and whatever. Some of it was like really depressing, but some of it was really funny. Like there's this particular woman in this movie who is just getting absolutely screwed by the VA over and over and over again. And finally, by the end of it, she's reacting in a way that any of us would, where it's just like complete disbelief and sort of assholery you know mm-hmm. you're just kind of like this and so things she says and like you laugh and it lightens the mood and stuff but it's like a very human humor as opposed to sort of you know right it's not denigrating humor right exactly and and that's the thing i, I lewis ck did this whole thing about the word faggot mm-hmm. which have you seen it mm-hmm. and it is absolutely amazingly brilliant it's it's truly some of the best comedy in the world it's up there with carlin's bit on rape mm-hmm which is, <laughs> how do you make rape funny? You know, that's, that's, it's, one of, it's this long discussion, and you can't joke about rape, and you can't joke about rape. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's certain things that you just can't joke about. Child abuse. You can't do that. But there's ways to approach those subjects that still have humor in them, that are still educational, and take these people who are so hyper-defensive of the situation that they've never gotten an education before and it gets through to them. Mm-hmm. So I'm much more of the mind that I think we need more comedy in our lives. Um, well, and I also think that, you know, the people, I, I mean, I would agree, like I don't make rape jokes and that kind of stuff, but I guess it also depends on which side of uh, an experience you were on. So if you're the victim of something, if you've been victimized by something, if you've whatever, you oftentimes actually get to a place where, humor is really useful and humor is actually the lens in which you see the situation. So for instance, um, it's the people who are sort of detached and removed and like, you know, theoretically against such and such being funny. It reminds me of like gay people reclaiming words that, you know, people have used to hurt us or women reclaiming words. Part of it is like through lived experience, things become actually something you can own or things become funny. Right. You know what so, I mean? Well, it's like, and it's, it's the like people, the vagina monologues right, it's when, like, they, when exactly. they do the segment on cunt. Right. Which I was, the first But it time makes I other people that, uncomfortable, but it doesn't actually make the like target of the thing uncomfortable. Right. You know? And it, well, it was funny to me when, and I, I love the vagina monologues, which kind of cracks me up because I'm not big on the vagina. Right. Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the first time I saw it, it was after I had been to London a couple of times and the word cunt is thrown around there. Right. At the same level that we use the word shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't use shite anywhere near as much as they use cunt. <laughs> and so it was funny to me because it's a it's a completely common curse word over there. And then you come back here and it's, you know, it's the worst word in the world. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the vagina monologues and I was howling because mm-hmm. I hadn't read them before. I didn't know what I was in for. I just wanted to go Was last it. year the first time you'd seen it? No, 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 no. Oh, this was, a while this was ago. Okay. when it first came out in what, 2000? I was, it was 2003 or two, four right. when I first saw it. I know it wasn't brand new at that point, but it was relatively new. Because it's what, a decade old? Something like that? At least, yeah. 
I was just wondering because the performance in Helena last year was a lot of people's first time seeing it. So. I know, which I thought was funny because they were like, we have no idea what you're in for. And I was like, <laughs> as I do my little hand thing, which you can't see on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, and, you know, and then I don't remember who was it that did come last year. Um, the woman that was working in the governor's office, she has like long hair and she always wears leather pants. Oh. I can't delightful. remember her name, but she was really good. Right. And so the, the the piece comes up, and of course, it's just this woman saying cunt over and over again, a bunch of different ways, different inflections, different, you know, meanings behind the word. Mm-hmm. And um, being a, a pseudo word nerd myself, <laughs> I find that to be brilliant. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And that sort of stuff, I think, needs to happen more often. Because when you're talking about reclaiming stuff like... Um, the word faggot. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I hang out with my friends, and I'm allowed to use that word. Mm-hmm. But that's because I'm not putting the meaning behind it that people think. And I got into an argument once with Jamie Greer about this. I'm like, it's not the words; it's the intention. Mm-hmm. It's always the intention, because it doesn't matter what words I use; it's my intent. If I'm intending to harm you, I'm doing something wrong. Right. Well, I think of it like so: when we get together, um, the organizations that work on the Reproductive Rights Coalition, or my friends that work on choice issues, if anybody outside of our circle came and sat down with us at lunch or at the bar or something, they would think that we were so weird and disgusting because we make like abortion jokes all the time, you know. And we understand that it's like dehumanizing to the issue and all that kind of stuff, but it's a coping mechanism, right? Right. So if you're constantly being yelled at about how you're a murderer and you're this, and all you're doing is really standing up for a woman's right to choose, you end up making jokes. It's like gay people making jokes about all the things that we make jokes about and women making jokes. all the. So I think, you know, we do have a tendency to make jokes about things that hurt us, but it's as a way to sort of... You know, spin it on its head, deal with the and to anger take and frustration, power. and to take, its take power the power, away. right? I mean, like, we literally have to warn new people that when you're at this table, you can't really be PC about, like, um, women's health and choice and whatever, because we just joke about it, you know, because it's how the only off, way to... <laughs> how often at those meetings do you just lean over and go, too soon? Right, <laughs> exactly. We don't. I mean, that's the thing, is, like, we joke about it, because otherwise our lives would be too hard. Well, you know? and it would be. and and But that's the sort of thing I think that needs to come out from behind those closed doors, um, which it never will. And but. also, the only way you survive all this stuff is if you just, like have some lighthearted nature about it. Like if you're coming in and you don't talk about reproductive rights all the time, you're might be very serious and earnest about it. And, you know, just, you know, this is a tragedy what they're doing. And I absolutely agree with that, but I also just have to laugh about it and joke about it. And those are still people I have to talk to and whatever else. So it's just, you know, lighten up a bit. Right. Basically. Well, and then the, there's the, the pro-life people who would go, well, it's always a baby. It's actually a worm. <laughs> Just FYI, until it can live on its own. Right. <clears throat> Which I believe was probably about the time it turns 26. So. <laughs> uh, so anyways, we'll see. Hopefully this week will be better. Um, and things will start, start to get normalized a bit. And what else do you have this week? Hearings, things on the floor, yada, yada, yada. Um, Trying to maintain some sort of life. Yesterday, like, I don't know what it is, but during the legislative session, people think that, you know, you are available 24-7. You aren't? And no, 
<laughs> so I was getting calls uh, on Saturday. I, I was you getting at 32 in the morning. Well, it's different if it's for like personal life stuff, but I I got like at least three or four work text messages yesterday or phone calls. And I was proud of myself because to every single one of those people I said, "You know what? Actually, I'm trying not to work on Sundays, so can we just talk about this tomorrow?" Hmm. Because I mean, it is literally impossible to try to maintain a life during the legislative session. And so I've decided that Sundays are not work days and we'll see if how long that lasts. But, um, people don't really understand that when you're doing this, it is that 90 day intensity, but you're working all night. You're working on Saturdays. You're working like you have to be available when people need you. But I'm trying to the extent I can to say Sundays are the Lord's day. And, uh, the Lord would be Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which, by the way, I am a huge West Wing fan. I Ooh. love that show. I've watched it like every episode five times over. See, my mom's a big fan of it, and I never was because it was always on a night when I had something going on. Okay, well, here's the deal. So I'm thinking I might have to go watch it, and I may just make her watch it with It me. is now on Netflix hmm. Instant. Which means I need viewing. to re-up my Netflix then. Yes. Well, it's very exciting because I haven't yet bought all the seasons because they're like the most expensive series out there. But I have literally watched every episode. And last legislative session, and I think the one before that, Bravo was still playing West Wing yeah. episodes. So my thing is actually I would get home from the legislature and I would watch at least an episode or two of West Wing. It sounds weird, but it actually watching that show makes me completely be like, Oh, there are good politics in the world. There are, you know, like I'm part of this large thing, whatever. It's a fantasy. I know. I know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like you have your fantasies, I have mine, okay? Yeah, mine has mine been things like lasers. West Wing. Yeah. I know. I'm lasers I'm, I'm or, I've or always wizards. been a politics nerd, you know that. So, anyways, it's on Netflix and it just actually like you could obviously rent the videos before, but then you have to do the whole like mailing back and forth and now you right. can do it on instant watch. And I have one of those fancy smart TVs where I can just do it on your automatically TV. watch it on my TV. Yeah. Yeah, we have it so on, I'm really excited. We have Netflix about that. on our Apple TVs, so it's super yeah. easy to do as well. Exactly. So that's cool. I watched Alias. Nice. That's a pretty good show. <laughs> yeah, I finally got through the entirety of the series, um, which was really cool. I, I've done that now for a couple of years: is pick a series and watch it all the way through over the holiday season because it's a nice way to avoid people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, I haven't done West Wing yet. I'll have to check it out. Oh, what was this show? You I've... know what started. What? You know what started up? I'll tell you in a minute. What, what was Downtown Abbey or something? Downton Abbey? No. Downtown I've, Abbey. I've not gotten into that. And Me neither. I don't know. I mean, Maggie Smith is in it, so it's probably really good. And she, there's nobody who gives a withering look better than Maggie Smith. <laughs> no one. She could curdle milk at 150 yards. Right. Um, but no, I haven't gotten into that. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? Um, I have a tendency to get into certain series and watch them all the way through, too. And I was trying to remember... Uh, I always watch sort of like, you know, ones that are about like crime drama or things like that. Obviously, one of my favorite shows of all time is The Wire. Uh, if you haven't ever seen it, I it's fantastic. It. Um, but I was trying to remember the one that I watched. Um, and now I can't remember what it was, but it was really great, too. And it was about these like military operative guys. It's really weird. Like generally, sorry about that microphone. Um, generally, I'm not like, you know 
I don't know why I love military movies. I went to Zero Dark Thirty last week. Ooh, how was it? Was it was so good. Really? My partner hated it. She was miserable the entire time. It's like two and a half hours. She just really didn't like it. Did but you I was send like, her over to watch Les Mis? I should have. <laughs> I totally liked like it. And I always girl. like movies Roller like that. Derby girl. <laughs> exactly. Head over to Les I don't Mis. know why I like them so much, but hmm. it was one of those shows. I can't remember now what it's called. But hmm. um, You know what started up? What? Archer. Season four has started up. Nice. And it opened up. What's really funny is I don't even is know that, what that is. Oh, you've never seen Archer? Is it an animated? Yes. I don't watch it's animated. Af- oh, you have to watch animated. This has to be <laughs> animated because it couldn't do it with live actors. Yeah, no. Um, you would You're talking love to somebody. It. I don't think so. You're talking to somebody who literally, and hopefully we won't lose listeners over this, I have never watched The Simpsons. That's okay. This I've never watched any animated TV show so or here's very the thing, few movies. Here's the thing about this. You've never seen Pixar movies? No, a few, but I, I, it's not like... Have you seen Up? Yeah, I saw that one because and, everybody said it was so good. And, I literally have... And what did you think? I thought it was fine. I know. I don't know why, but I'm not a... It's like my sister got all the animated genes. She loves animated movies. She owns like every Disney movie and probably every Pixar movie. I'm just not into animated. Okay, well... The thing about this is it had to be animated because the actors, the characters can't age. Right. So it had to be animated. But it is so adult. It, it, you can't think of it as a kid's cartoon at all because it's not. It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, it, I'd explain parts of it to you, but the parts I'd explain you'd have to know about and nobody else cares. So it's no big deal. But anyway, it started up. I will bring you some episodes because you will die laughing. They're hysterical. Okay. Hysterical. I'll try one. Um, so yeah, that started up. So I'm, that's going to get me through the session because every Thursday, eleven o'clock, I'll be watching Archer. Nice. But Thursday from what, five o'clock on, I'll be avoiding Twitter. It's <laughs> 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 all of my friends watch it. They're all on Twitter and they post lines. I'm oh like, yes. Ah, stop. That doesn't work. Yeah. Spoilers. Time Spoiler difference. alert. So yeah. So looks like a good week coming up. Yeah, we should probably wrap up. I got to get over to this film festival. Cool. All, all right. right. Well, have we'll a good see one. you all next Monday.